Hello and welcome to Writing Perspectives, a podcast about writing and writers. My name's Steve Borley and I'm a writer. Writing Perspectives is here to help you find out what it takes to be a successful writer and what the life of a writer is all about. It's my privilege to introduce you to people who really do know what it takes. And today I'm just delighted to be speaking to Neil Sillers. Neil is a Scottish author who lives and works in Galicia in northern Spain. Neil was the author of five books, each with a different theme. His first book, Universe Parallel, is a collection of short stories. This was followed by a thriller, Revolutionary Tax, and the Celtic theme novel, A Conspiracy of Ravens. Neil's most successful book to date, If You Fly With the Crows, is a hard-hitting, humorous novel written as an homage to his native Scotland. It looks at the not inconsiderable themes of bigotry, prudery, the role of technology, all delivered in a mix of modern Scots and English. And Neil's also written The Blood of Don Juan de Vargas, an historical epic set in his adopted home of Spain. Neil fits his writing around running his own language school and being both a husband and a father. So, a very warm welcome to Writing Perspectives, Neil. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks, thanks for your time today, Neil. I, I do appreciate you joining us from Spain. Um, uh-huh. and, and I'm sure your weekends are very precious when you're running your own business, so I do appreciate it. Um, but can I start by asking you about uh-huh. the eclectic nature of your work and the different kinds of things you've written about, different books, different styles? What, what's sure. drawn you to creating such varied and wide-ranging work? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult question to answer, to be honest. But uh, I think, uh, firstly, I do uh, I read very widely. I, I like all sorts of, of fiction, mainly. But um, I read very widely, both in, in English and Spanish. And um, I think that's, that certainly had an influence on, on the sort of writing that I've, I've tried to produce, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, really. I mean, it can go from, you know, you did mention sort of modern Scots as well. It can go from Irvin Welsh to Dickens to Gabriel Garcia Marquez. You know, it really is. Um, all of those guys uh, have an influence on me. I think all those writers. And, um, and I've, been, I've been influenced by them all. And, um, but but I, I, I would say there is a, a common theme through everything that I write as well. And it is... Um, well, we'll talk about that after. But I think it's a. I was thinking about it actually before this interview, and um, and, and I did identify a few common themes which, which run through uh, all, all, all my work, all, all the books, all the short stories. Yeah, well, yeah. Feel, feel feel free to to, to talk I have about to that. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a common a common theme is, is probably that um, a lot of the work deals with questions of of, of reality. What is reality and um, and they, and they all deal with questions of prejudice and bigotry in, in some sort of way, you know, whether that's to do with religious bigotry or prejudice, uh, racial, sexual orientation. It's, it's in it's in sort of all the books that they do touch on that in a way, you know. Mm. Yeah. So when you, um, I mean, has that been a um, consciously from the outset of your work, um, or is or does that has that evolved as you've been writing each time and you've kind of ended up there, or is it or is it something you set out to do? I think it's exactly that it's evolved. It's not something I've consciously set out to do. No, it seems to fall into every story somehow. So sometimes I wonder myself if I have a subconscious problem there, you know, <laughs> but uh, I worry. But but it does just seem to, to to appear in the stories. Yeah, I wonder if that's the yeah. same for for writers like John Irving who always seem to write about wrestling and bears. If they if he, yeah. if he meant it at the outset or if it, if it just uh, just occurs as, as he goes. But I think it's really interesting about the creative process, isn't it? Is that um, you, you might start off being prompted by 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 something you've read or seen or experienced, um, uh-huh. and then you sit down to write, and then actually through that process, you, we, we revert back to our own meme. We come back to the things that mean the most to us, and and I guess exercise our, our subconsciousness the most. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. 
yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So w- when you're writing um, your books, and as you say, although I think it's, it's really interesting that there are those common themes and, and you've approached them in, in with slightly different styles in different ways in your different bits of work, um, you know, how far do you research and prepare for that? Um, how, how much... How much do you, do you put into the research side of things? Yeah, um, it really depends on the book. Um, for example, the the Blood of Don Juan de Vargas, which is, uh, as you said, it's like an epic uh, novel, which takes place over over a thousand years of Spanish history. There was a uh, the story. I knew the story, which uh, well, I started writing the story, and the story for me, and this always happens. Uh, the story more or less writes itself, but. It, you put yourself in situations where you think, well, I'm going to have to add a bit of reality to this. So, so that's when I start to research. Mm-hmm. But I have an idea, and then then, then I'll do some research to, to make sure that the, you know the the dates suit, the geographical locations suit, etc. You know. Yeah, yeah. So was, I, yeah so. I, I know. I know. I think I understand that process. I, I've written a, a play uh-huh. set in Soho in the 1950s. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that research came from talking to my mum, who grew up in Soho in the 1950s. Sure. Um, but actually, there was a, there was also a fair bit of um, Getting my geography right and looking at looking at the the, the, the kind of street maps and and, and the um, buildings and the places that are around at the time, and and trying. Although my, my setting was a fictional fictional court off off of off of Berwick Street, um, uh-huh. the rest of it's all real and the locations of the police stations and the and the police section houses and things like yeah. that are all, all there. And I think that's I guess that's that's that that's the the, the way to do it, isn't it? As is you it does, augment it's... your idea with with that with that stuff. Um, yeah. And it's important to get you know this detail correct as well because if you don't, you can guarantee someone's going to send you an email or <laughs> you know yeah. in, in a review of your book they're going to say you know really I don't think this guy knows much about this so, you know it, it can be something like a street name or or you know something something small you know but, but it can make a big difference to people it's got to be believable even if it's crazy fiction completely unbelievable there's certain things you have to make sound believable you know um, and that's that's the way it works yeah uh-huh. yeah no I, I think I've, I've been, been looking at some interesting things about research partly with my experience of writing writing uh-huh. that play and, and trying to get that right and this notion that um you know if you ever feel you've written a passage or or, or, a, or a, a bit of dialogue which is just your excuse to get your research in <laughs> then, uh-huh. then, yeah then, then then that's that's something um that, that probably needs to come out in the in the drafting process and yeah uh, but yeah yeah if you're too much you can sound very forced yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. even worse than exposition is the uh, is the is the powerpoint lecture on uh, uh, on, on you know the geography of Soho in the 1950s I think yeah that's, yeah that's exactly uh, yeah. excellent excellent stuff so um, thinking about I'll talk to you about your, your, your book If You Fly With The Crows which I'm, I'm really fascinated by um, one thing I really want to ask you about that is your use of Scots and, and for, for anyone listening who's not familiar Scots is, is not English in a Scottish accent nor is it Gaelic which is the um, the, the language spoken in the Highlands of Scotland it, it's Scots is a distinct vocabulary or set of regional vocabularies, mainly from the Central Belt and, and Southern Scotland, uh-huh. and a set of grammatical usages. And, and, and you know, as, as, as you'll know, Neil, uh, many Scots use it every day, um, intertwined in, 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 their, in their everyday language and, and conversation. Um, do. But in terms of writing in, in Scots, can you tell me about the challenge of doing that? Yeah, it's, um, writing in Scots is difficult because we don't really have standard spelling. You know, so you're you're kind of on your own, having arguments with yourself about or debates with yourself about how to spell a word. You know, I find uh, writing the book is all the dialogue basically is in Scots, uh, or all the dialogue between Scots is in Scots. You know, uh, it does change the um, 
if they're trying to do business, they tend to speak in English, standard English, because that's a strange thing which happens in Scotland. It's something that's always fascinated me, you know, that if you want to, and any Scots person will know this from their parents would have told them and their kids, you know, if you want to go on in life, you have to speak properly, as they call it, you know, which, which means standard English. And um, so so it does, sometimes the, the characters do speak standard English when they're, when they're trying to uh, do any, you know, um, any sort of business at, at all. But amongst themselves, in a normal situation, they are they are speaking Scots, and and spelling I, I would say was one of the most difficult um, things things for me because to get some consistency because you know not being accustomed you know as it's not really a, a commonly written language not being accustomed to writing in Scots you know sometimes some parts of the book I found maybe um, towards the end of the book I've changed my spelling so I had to go back and and go through uh, to spell the word in the same way consistently throughout throughout the book. And um, there's also a, a, I actually use a couple of different dialects of Scots in the book because people are from different regions of, of Scotland. So um, keeping that consistency as well, and I tried to make sure that the voices sound sound right. It's it's difficult, you know, and uh, it's got to sound good enough to be convincing to Scottish people, but it's also got to be accessible enough for non-Scots to to understand what the characters yeah. are saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that was an aspect of it I was really interested in. Is how far mm -hmm. you were conscious of of non scott speaking readers and and um uh you know if you felt you ever had to i don't know temper the the, the scots at all um to, to make it accessible yeah I, I, you know this this was a, it was a difficult question when i was writing this book but i actually um decided against tempering it too much because there's nothing worse and any any scott will tell you as well if you watch a tv program that's based in scotland and you hear actors who, who are trying to sound Scottish enough, but it's got to be, you know, accessible to, to, to the whole of the UK or, or even uh, further afield. It doesn't. It just doesn't sound natural. It just doesn't work for us, you know. So, yeah. so I decided to, to to just go for it. It was a very personal book, anyway. It was for fun. I wrote this book completely for fun, and you know, I didn't expect to have a market for this book at all. And I thought, well, what the hell? Just just go for it, you know. And mm -hmm. and that's what I did. But surprisingly, um, I've received emails from various parts of the world, you know, as far as, as California, South Africa, and people. The people have told me that they you know they tuned in. They found it very difficult at first, but but they eventually tuned in to the voices and um, and they understood, you know, or understood enough to, to, to it didn't upset the reading of the book, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess if people the world over can watch The Wire and tune yeah. into uh, tune into the, uh, the, the 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 slang of, of the Baltimore um, uh, underworld and, and police, then I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm probably manage a book in Scots. I think um, you, know, yeah. you can you can get over that hurdle, isn't it? When, when you when you read these things, and I think that's really interesting as well that what what you said about you know when, when often obviously I've lived in Scotland for a long time, but I'm, I'm yeah. originally from London, um, so I I have an, an ear for for Scots and I understand. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Scots, when it's spoken around me, as it is every day. Um, yeah. But but you're, I, I'm also as a Londoner, I, I have the the memory of Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, and of course, um, yeah, and yeah. exactly the same, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and and it is a um, uh, which for anyone who's not familiar with it, that Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins is supposed to be a Londoner, and it, and it is that very clunky, um, forced, um, yeah. unrealistic London Cockney stuff. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That certainly grates if you if you are from London. And it doesn't. No, no, it sounds yeah. it, it sounds awful. Um, yeah. and, and I suppose that is that is a a, um, a line to, to tread when you're when you're writing um, in 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 Scots or in, in any in any dialect or, or, uh -huh. or language derived from English, I suppose. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, it's diff it's a difficult question, but yeah, but yeah. It, it was also something as well. You know, it's um, it, 
it's a difficult thing, uh, you know, whether to decide. But it's just very hard to, to have voices in in a, in a Scottish novel and not use Scots. I, th- I think you know, um, either that, or you just go the whole hog, the, the sorry, the, the full hog, and, and it's just it's a hundred percent English, and but it loses its Scottishness. Then I think you know, in in, yeah. in, in, this, in this sort of book, anyway, you know. Um, in this sort of book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of, of some of the work of Christopher Brookmeyer as well, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, which is, um, I think, tries to tries to do that, that that thing as well, where the characters and the settings are are, are often or, uh, very, very consciously and very obviously Scottish, uh-huh. and, it works, and it works very well. Yeah. Um, and and I think he he's an author that, uh, particularly that gets it get, gets it right. Um, and and of course, Irving Welsh, as you mentioned yourself, is, is one of the people that, that you've read uh-huh. and enjoyed. Yeah. Is somebody that certainly doesn't um, doesn't pull any punches when it comes to writing in in Scots and and, and using using in, in his his case very very much Edinburgh dialogue in a way which um, turns of phrase and things which 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 the train spotting and, and his other works characters would use which you wouldn't hear for example in, in Glasgow or in Dundee or in, in Aberdeen. No, that's correct. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, so his, his work is very very locally set and. Um, and and all the more authentic for that, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yes. To to be honest, there was just just sort of last thing on on, on the, the thing about the Scots. Of course, to go you know to do properly, what you really should do is the narrative in Scots as well. And say, okay, this this isn't a book in English; it's a book in Scots, yeah. you know. But uh, two reasons I wouldn't have done that. One, um, I don't think it, I, I don't think we're ready for that yet in Scotland. <laughs> uh, you know, that's been you know, for a couple of centuries when that's not really happening uh, in, in a big way anyway, and. Uh, and two, it would be extremely difficult for me uh, as well to do the narrative in, in Scots. You know, I just you, it's fine for everyday uh, language, but not so much for for descriptive narrative. I don't think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And yeah, Scots has been over the last couple of centuries has uh, massively influenced by by English as well. So, yeah. you know, e- even the people who who speak. You know the the the, the broadest cost, if you like. Uh, there's still a massive influence from 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 standard English. It's difficult to produce something like that at the moment. Anyway, you know, living here in, in Galicia, it's a bilingual community. You know, and it's very very similar uh, uh, linguistically to to the Scottish situation. But right. uh, mm-hmm. but here, ever since ever since democracy, which uh, Franco died in in seventy five, so ever since the transition to democracy. Galician language has really been promoted and pushed, and it's in the schools. And, and it's you know maybe it's maybe about fifty percent of of uh, school subjects are taught in the local language, you know, and uh, and and it's improved a lot the, the the use of 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 Galician here, you know. But but they were you know thirty years ago, twenty years ago, even I, I remember that here they were they were in exactly the same situation as 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 Scots and Scotland, you know. It was it's a it was seen as a a second class language if you like you know a language of, of, of the villages or of, of the, the lower working classes you know and uh, and it suffered it suffered in in a big way from, from you know from the stigma of it. And that's changed that that's that's changed completely but but i think for scores to to to, uh, to make that recovery I, I don't i don't i don't think there's an appetite for it to be honest in, mm. in politically in scotland for that yeah. Yeah. so yeah. it's interesting what you said about about galician and being the, the language of, of, of the Working people or the people from the, the villages or the outlying areas, uh-huh. and yeah. of course, what's interesting about it is that, they, that those folk have stories to tell, and there are stories to tell about those people. Yeah, um, yeah. And to do that in perhaps uh, arguably in, in an authentic way, you need you need to at least your start point to be in the in the in that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I think if you don't, you lose something. Actually, that that happens with my with my reading as well. Because uh, as I said, you know, lots of my, my favourite authors are Spanish, Portuguese as well, or, or Portuguese language, and mm-hmm. I speak Portuguese as well. So I like to read an original version. I don't. I think it loses something. You know, anything in translation, 
it, you know, it does lose something, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And no, so, well, you're, you're fortunate to be able to read in so many languages. You you, uh, you certainly have the yeah. better of me on that one, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just be playing to kind of, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, Not very good at them. No, no I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I can manage English, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated to, to talk to uh -huh. writers about is, is their planning process. Um, we've yeah. spoken a little bit about research, but yeah. okay, away from that and actually turning that research or turning your ideas into, into something finished, you know, how far are you a planner and, and, and what, do you, what do you do? Yeah, actually, um, I do very, very little planning, certainly at first. I, get, I, uh, uh, I just start, you know, sometimes it's, it's just a case of sitting down in, in front of the, the screen and, and, and just, 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 just start writing, you know. It could be anything. Just describe a situation to, uh, with somebody's something that's happening. Any any sort of situation, and it just it grows from there. Really, that, that's that's been the case with with every book, every short story. Um, it grows from there. But obviously, at some point, you have to start. You know, you have to get some structure to to what it is you're writing. You know, but um, but I, I've seen all of my books. I've, I've started with the first page. Sometimes that's that's not ended up being the first page but i've started with the first page what intent to be the first page of the book mm -hmm. and uh and, you know maybe, maybe a month down the line you say well i better go and give a bit more backstory so i'm, I'm going to start um i'll start a, a, you know a, a, a prologue anything you know something to explain where, where you're coming in but uh, but I, I i never planned before before i start the book but but you do it causes me problems actually because sometimes three quarters of the way through the book I have to start from the beginning and read back and check that uh, things actually work logically as far as time is concerned. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, 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 that's due to lack of planning, you know. And, and every time I do that, I promise myself I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to plan it, I'm going to put it on a piece of paper. But I think, I don't think there is a, a right or a wrong way to do this, you know. I think it's just you've got to go with what suits you. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I would agree. I I, I tend to, to work in a way that's similar to you just described. And when I'm writing, I I, I try and I, I you know I, I mull quite a lot. Um, I I, yeah. I think I think about about stuff quite a lot, and I make some notes um, uh -huh. about about the general idea. Um, but then I start writing with the start of you know if it's a play with the, with the start of Act One, Scene One, and, uh -huh. and, and 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 I and I try and describe the scene I'm I'm I'm, I'm envisioning it, and then start to. To, to put the dialogue in and and um, and then you're right but then i do have the, the point of i have to go back and and do that that logical check and make sure that um yeah. you know um even sometimes i, I found in, in what one draft I'd, i there was an, an incidental character that was being referred to wasn't actually in it uh -huh. um, and, and i'd and i'd given him a different surname in, in two different parts just yeah you know, I've, I've that. yeah, yeah. And, and things like that so it's, it's checking yeah. for that but but more more generally structurally i think one of the really really interesting questions for a writer irrespective of what they're what they're producing is that where do you start? Because you know, arguably, yeah. all stories have a beginning, middle, and end. But also, arguably, all stories, yeah. all stories always start in the middle because there's always things that have happened before. Um, well, that's true. Yeah. And and I guess that's a a key decision um, for for any writer to make when they're writing. So, thinking about your experiences of having to go back, kind of, can you tell me a little bit more about about that kind of rethinking the start? Yeah. Um... Actually, if you fly with the crows, it's a good example because it's a, um, if you fly with the crows, it's, it's a strange book. Well, it's, it's a bit different. It's written in the first person, which which I found uh, uh, good fun to to do. Uh, and uh, but it actually starts um, 
and it starts with the line, the, the name's Rab, Rab Sinclair, you know, and, and he starts talking about himself. But then I decided to do to do a bit of, uh, you know, I decided to change the start. So so I um, I changed the uh, I wrote a new first chapter after that, and that was just to um, to put you straight into the action. But Rab actually explains because Rab, Rab during the, the the course of the book he he, he explains that he's he's doing a, a creative writing course. So and and he, he said so he says that he actually made a, a more interesting start because it would keep his tutor happy. He didn't agree, but it would keep his tutor. Happy. So he actually explains lots of the literary devices that he uses, um, you know, as as you go through the book, you know, and uh, as you read the book. And but but that was an example that that was true. And I, and I thought, but instead of just thinking I'm going to do this, I just because I was writing in the first person, I just got Rab to explain what he was doing, you know, and and, um, and he said he didn't agree with it, you know, that but it's his tutor, this imaginary tutor that was making him do it. But um, but fair enough, you know, he'd, he'd rather keep him keep him happy um, to to pass his. His, uh, his exams, you know, so, but, but but that was a good example. There's lots. I think um, yeah, in in all the books, uh, I've I've had to go back and had to change uh, certain things. The the if, uh, a conspiracy of ravens, it all had to fit in with with the time of year because it all goes around the Celtic cal- calendar. The whole story revolves around the the winter half of the of the the Celtic calendar. And uh, I had to make some changes to, to suit, you know, when people appeared in the book. They had to appear at the right time so that it would be true to the mythology, you know, the original Celtic mythology, because it was sort of a a book uh, with the intention of reviving some uh, Celtic mythology and put it into a modern setting, you know. But uh, that was a difficult one, actually, because uh, it, it was actually the mythology itself which made me uh, go back and, and make some... Um, some changes to the book because otherwise I wasn't being true to 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 the mythology, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It does. Yeah. It doesn't. And I think again, it touches back on when we're speaking about research and yeah. understanding. You know, obviously, every every work of fiction is a work of fiction. So, how, so can, uh-huh. for some some elements of it, can make its own rules when when people appear and what they say and, and all that. Sure. But actually, if you are basing it on something which is already established, either in your historical novels, i.e., things that that happened in and they have to happen in sequence otherwise it makes no sense or in mythology uh-huh. when there's a there's a, a an internal logic to that or there's a there's a there's a timeline to the the, the, the actions in the mythology as well yeah and that, that i guess that is something you, you i guess you have a, a responsibility to get right in order to make the, the, the whole piece work and you thinking do. about it from the other end and, and when you've got to the end of perhaps a first draft or, or even a second draft um, uh-huh. I've always been really taken by by something that Stephen King puts in his in his book on writing, which is you know you kind of you once you you read your first draft, you kind of find out what it's really about, and then that allows you to go back in a second draft and and make sure that that um, that those themes are, are properly signposted and, and and worked through the whole work. Have you had that experience as well? Uh, to be honest, I had never thought of that, but no, I, I, I never read this book by, by Stephen King, but uh, by Stephen King, but uh, that that, uh, that makes a lot of sense actually. That 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 um that that does make a lot of sense. I think I think that's true because you know sometimes you get to the end and it's like the end of a long race. Yeah. You just get there, you're like woof, you know. And uh, look, when I do do that, I, I always I always ignore the book for yeah at least a couple of months. I just forget it completely, you know. And uh, when I come back to the book, it's almost like reading someone else's work. You know, it's almost and, and you, you you can I think if you're too close to the book. You can't really see it with a critical eye, but for me, time, uh, just time away from it helps. And uh, I come back and I read it. Yeah, and it's almost as if you're reading someone else's book. You say, oh, I can see what they're trying to do here, you know. And uh, 
and that kind of because maybe, maybe I have been doing it subconsciously, and then it becomes conscious, and and then you can try and you know improve and exactly second draft, third draft, whatever yeah, and and try and go with that because it was really it was you that created it in the first place, but sometimes it feels like it's been someone else. Yeah, you know? no, it's it's interesting. I think in, in, that's, that whole notion is in my mind because I've recently received some feedback from a, a playwriting competition. Um, yeah. and, and one of the things was, you know, at the end, there's, there's a, there's a quite a strong thematic, um, you know, element, which perhaps, you know, needs to be reflected earlier on in the piece. And I'm thinking, ah, you know, uh-huh. this, is, this is something I know I need to do. And still, I've, and still I've missed it, you know? Yeah. And so it's yeah. quite, quite interesting to get that. And I, and I, and I really yeah, like that idea. It also helps uh-huh. me to get away from the, the kind of, um, perfectionist writer, um, yeah. that I, that I, perhaps my mind's eye tells me I ought to be, which is I sit down in in some kind of you know Barbara Cartland style and dash something off and that's uh-huh. the finished you know Done. I, I yeah, didn't yeah. take something from beginning to end and that's that's uh-huh. it perfect and and actually for me uh, um, the reality of being a writer is that um, it's not um, it, it's not about capturing you know lightning in a bottle of a, of a moment of inspiration that you yeah. on the page it's actually much more about craft and much more about Definitely, work yeah. and rework yeah. yeah you know sometimes though ideas you know I've, I've seen me in the past when you're in the middle of a book I can wake at four o'clock in the morning and it often happens to me it's in the middle of the night for some reason I wake up and uh, I have an idea and if I don't get out of my bed and write something then it's gone you know but by, by, by the morning it's gone invariably it's gone so um but often I do that and it's not it's not uh, writing the finished article by any manner I means but get a few hundred words down so you don't lose the idea go back to bed and then at some other point you know uh, come back to it and, and then you can write properly you know but uh, uh, but um for me it, it does it's very spontaneous at times you know and, and you have to just, just get the idea down and, and uh, i go running as well as a hobby and sometimes you're out running you have ideas and, and i wish i had somewhere i could i could write it down you know uh, <laughs> yeah. because you're yeah. worried about forgetting so uh, but yeah, yeah. that's right that's right no no i think that's that's, that's yeah. a very good point as well that um it isn't equally in as much as it's not just about dashing something off in a one and expecting it to be perfect equally it's not just about about craft and things it's also about inspiration no. and and about, yeah. um, and about as you say spontaneity is a, a very good way to think about it yeah um, so so something that i also like to talk to you uh-huh. about you know is you, so you're on your own business and and, and you're, yeah. you're you're a very busy busy guy uh, uh-huh. by the sounds of it um you know, so thinking about planning from a from a slightly different perspective, how have you managed to balance writing with all the other things you've got going on in your life? <laughs> Good question. I don't really. I, that, that's the problem. <laughs> I can't. But no, it's, it's it's difficult. The last few years, you know, we've we've been out here for eleven years now. Uh, my wife is Spanish, we're from a different region, and um, we've been out. We both taught in the UK, you know, Scotland first. But uh, before that, sorry, and we've got three three kids, three daughters, and um, we started this business. We've now been going for eleven years, and um, it's just become busier and busier and busier. We, you know, there's, there's six teachers now, and uh, it's, it's it's a lot of work. And I actually came to Spain with the idea that I was I would get more time for my writing, but it's actually happened the other way. You know, but this year we've taken an extra teacher this year, and I'm determined to get back. There's a few things I have sort of half finished. I'm determined to get back to, but really you've just got to, you know, any time for me early early morning is the time. I'm no good at night, you know. I, I can sit down at night and I'm just useless. Uh, some people are, are better in, in the evenings, you know. But for me, it's, it's got to be early morning. Um, and you know, sometimes weekends wake up as I say, you know, four or five in the morning with an idea. And, and sometimes if it's a weekend, I'll, I'll just make myself a coffee, sit down and and try and knock out a few thousand words, you know. But it it it, it is. 
It is difficult, you know, and I wish I had the, the discipline which some people have. I say, you know, no, I'm going to write so many hours a week and I have to find the time. You make a timetable and you stick to it. I just I just don't do that. I've got lots of other interests as well. You know, I do, as I, as I said, I, I like to go running. I play the, the local bagpipes here, the Galician pipes, and we're learning Arabic at the moment as well, my wife and I. So there's lots of other things, you know, which, which is all good fun. It's all good experience. And any experience feeds into your writing, I think, you know. Um, I think, you know... Uh, that's one of the most important things for a writer is to have wide experience and, and to actively seek wide, uh, a wide range of ex different experiences, you know, because you can really only write about what you know about, you know, um, uh, to a certain extent, you know, obviously uh, it's fiction, but you have, you know, you have to, you have to have feelings, you have to have experiences, you have to, you know, um, it's difficult for, if, if you don't, you know, it's difficult for very young people to write excellent fiction because they don't have that experience. I'm not saying you can't do it, you know, but people are a lot better than me can. But, um, but you know, I think you all, anyone, you, inevitably you draw on your own experience and um, you, you've got to do that. You know, but as far as, to go back to, go back to your question, um, how do I fit it in, etc., uh, with, with great difficulty. Uh, I, I, I'm not the best at doing that, to be honest. Um at all. I'd like to be more disciplined and, and have more planning and more more time set aside, but I, I just don't. Yes, it's, yeah. it's the, the one of the things I've learned in, in um, fitting my writing around my work uh -huh. and, um, and, and also a master's in creative writing is um, uh -huh. it's about you know, try you know, finding the time where you have the time, and, and the notion uh -huh. again of, of of what's it like being a writer? Oh well, I'll I'll have a balcony overlooking the Adriatic, and I'll yeah, it's been lovely, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I'll, and I'll and I'll uh, in, in my bathrobe, I'll, I'll dash off you know, a few thousand words before lunch. It, yeah. If I wait for those conditions, I will exactly. never write a word. So it's, 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 about, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you've got to find the time. You know. Yeah, I know, and, and you know, I live here in Galicia and Spain, but don't get the wrong idea that this is nothing like a, a balcony over the Adriatic. You know. <laughs> I'm in a flat in a small city, you know, uh, next to the Lime It's not, uh, it's not as romantic as it, as it may sound from, <laughs> from elsewhere. No, uh, still still yeah. sounds nice. Yeah, the, the weather's a bit better than in Scotland. Ah, yeah. indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, well, finally, Neil, um, just kind of wrap, wrapping things up. Uh -huh. um, what advice would you give to to an aspiring writer? Um, I think that you know the best piece of advice would be to you know follow your, your your own gut feeling because uh, you know in some of the stuff early, uh, you know early on you know you go you go online or you read different books about you know how to write and stuff and one of the things that always I always found you know like just bad advice was you know to, to, to try and identify a market where books are being published and, and, and you know write towards that market right for that market but uh, I think you've got to write something which which inspires you something something that you you know that you want to do something that makes you happy I, th I think it's got to be for you first and foremost yeah I think otherwise you're in for a lot of disappointment I think as an aspiring writer and I, you know you, you've got to have a thick skin and and you, you've got to, to uh, you know just get used to the idea of rejection you know all those letters to agents or publishers um, you have to have a thick skin to put up with some of the the, the reviews you get you know negative reviews etc as well so but um, um, I think but deep down just write for yourself and if you write for yourself you, you're never going to lose it's always, writing's always going to be a positive experience if you happen to get something published after that then that, that's great that's a bonus but I think you've got to treat it treat it like that you know um, I mean that's you know I don't I don't make a lot of money out of my writing you know it's, it's enough to go for dinner every now and again and uh, and that's it but I didn't read the book for for that you know I would be a lot you know if somebody comes and gives me a multi-million contract for a couple of novels that'd be great you know but um, I would get that balcony over the Adriatic but uh, <laughs> 
but uh, but it's not going to stop you racing you know it's um you've got to do it for yourself i think and, and write something that makes that makes you happy you know to see you know find your own voice and find you know and see what you want to see as opposed to to writing for a certain market brilliant now thank you very much find your own voice and write and, and say what you want to say i think that's a terrific way to uh, to, to to draw the interview to a close and and great advice for, for anyone thinking about about writing that's terrific so so thank you Neil. That, that brings us to the end of our time for this episode it's been been really interesting to talk to you thank you thank you very much for having me steve uh, you've, been, you've been really generous with your time and, and sharing your experiences so so thanks a lot well, thank you nice to speak to you bye-bye great thank you so I hope that listening to Neil has, has shiggled, to use a, a good Scots word, your muse from their slumber and you feel creative and inspired even. The one thing that all writers do is write. So if today feels like it's coming, terrific. If not, and you need an idea to get yourself going. How about taking a prompt from Neil's work as both a homage to his native Scotland and his adoptive home in Spain? Why not write an homage of your own? Maybe somewhere you've left, maybe somewhere you've arrived. Write prose or maybe poetry. Write two about the same place, one a tragedy and one a celebration. Give it a try, just to get yourself writing. All writing's useful, even if it just gets your pen or your keyboard moving. What have you got to lose? So that's us coming to the end of this episode. Please come and visit our website, writing-perspectives.com. You'll see that I'll post full show notes for this episode, so you can find out more about Neil and his work. And please leave me your comments to let me know what you think, and also share what you know. Comments make me happy, almost as happy as iTunes reviews, which is a very unsubtle hint. So... Thanks for listening to Writing Perspectives. My name's Steve Bawley, and until next time, goodbye.